Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as He makes all things new. We are excited to pursue His heart for the greatest city on earth in the center of the city. All right, I'm back. Thanks, you guys, for your patience. So I'm sorry, the TV is not working right now. You're going to have to look up the scriptures yourself. I know, I know. This is, what are we, what are we doing here? But I promise they'll be easy to find, and I'll give them to you early. All right, thanks, you guys, for being here. We are in our, continuing in our series, There's No Place Like Home about the beauty of community, and today we're going to be talking about the beauty of transformation, which I believe is what every community is called to do. Our scripture today is going to be Judges 6, 11 through 18. If you want to flip there, I'll be in a New King James Version, which is by far the holiest version. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know, it's just a it's like, you know, old enough to be holy, but new enough to where you can understand it. It's not the, th- the thou's and the these and all that stuff. But uh, we're talking about how God transforms us. And it's crazy that he doesn't transform us without our help, right? He needs us to engage with him in this beautiful thing that is called life and transformation through the Holy Spirit. Anyone that is talking about transformation without the power of the Holy Spirit is a little mistaken, It is from him that we live, we move, we have all of our being. God has arrayed so many things in this earth for us to have access to. Jesus left, I'm leaving you with a helper, with a comforter, the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit mends up our hearts, takes away um, the pain and trauma that we have felt sometimes, but he needs our permission to do so. Because of free will, God is not going to come in and just grab us by the shoulders and say, look, I'm going to give you this. But I, I want to just show today the steps that God takes to begin to transform who we are. As a people, as a body, we have been through a lot. Um, and God is always inviting us into this place of being transformed. And it sounds good on paper until he starts pointing out stuff. Until he starts touching places on our heart that have been broken. Until he starts putting his finger in wounds just as the disciples did to Jesus to know that he was actually real. But keep it real that the Holy Spirit is not pointing out anything that he doesn't plan on healing. The enemy, the difference between the enemy pointing out where we're hurt and where God points out where we're hurt is God's intentions are to heal. The enemy's intentions are to shame, right? He says, oh, you remember you did that thing? Yeah, that was horrible. That was messed up. Um, He is trying to bring shame to us that what creates distance between us and God. The ultimate goal of God in life is to bring us close to him. Why? He is emptied, bankrupted heaven so that his son could come and reconcile us to the father. That lets me know God will do anything to get to us. He will leave, he will sell the whole dealership. You know what I'm saying? He'll, he'll slaughter every cow on a ranch. He'll do whatever he can. And still there are those who haven't received or heard of his love in a way. And then there are others who go, meh. 
that he has taken all of eternity to bring us into this place. But sometimes we're huddled in fear. We have gone through so much anxiety and we don't even know how to approach God anymore. But all we have to do is begin to accept his invitation. In Judges 6 and 11 is a story of Gideon that you've probably heard before. The man who was a coward, right? He was um, of the smallest and weakest tribe. And the Midianites had been plundering the people of Israel for a very long time. So much so that they would hide whenever they came into their valley, right? So they would be generous and let them cultivate their land and even their crops. And when they grew and when it was time to harvest, the Midianites would swoop in and take everything. So this made the Israelites attempt to do everything in secret. They were afraid of the next wave that was going to happen. Because they were afraid of the next wave, everything they did was in isolation. They didn't gather much. They didn't do anything that would be um, considered too showy. They didn't want to bring any unnecessary attention, already having been plundered so much by the Midianites. And in Judges 6 and 11, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon, Gideonite, Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then all this has this stuff happened to us? If God loves me, why the heck do I have to go through another pandemic? Why has all this stuff happened to us if God is with us? And where, I pray tell, are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and so shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? He said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Gideon, the weakest, understanding and seeing himself as the weakest, and God calling him to help defeat the Midianites. The Lord says to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. God is always calling us something that doesn't look like what the enemy has told us we are in the situation we're in. This really reminds me of the time that we've been through lately. We're waiting for the next wave. We're waiting for the next thing that is going to happen that is going to cause us to be isolated. Gideon, when the angel of the Lord spoke to him, he was threshing wheat in a wine press so that he could hide it from the Midianites. Everything he was doing was being done in secret so as he couldn't be exposed. And God hails him by saying, mighty man of valor, Gideon. Invitation. God begins with an invitation to us. And free will lets us decide how we're going to respond. That Jesus was our ultimate invitation into the kingdom of God. But so many times, just as if we're going to a wedding, sometimes we get the invitation from the Lord. We don't answer. We don't respond. And we don't say anything back to him. And all God has given us is an invitation into his kingdom, into this process 
of transforming us. It's crazy being a pastor right now because I'm meeting with people, and I mention this all the time, and I'm meeting with uh, people who are leading churches that are closing, churches that are considering coming together because they're dwindled down, and people are leaving, and people are moving away, and people are transitioning. And there is an element of um, trepidation sometimes. And I know have you, as many in here have been through so much that there can be some, there can be some reticence. There can be some like, I, I don't really want to give my heart away this time because I've been through so much. I've seen so much transition. I've lost so many friends. What is going on, God? What are you doing? But when I say that there are promises, we still have to apprehend, which is why we are here. And God is doing this work in us and giving us an invitation, and it is, will we respond? As much as I'm a pastor and I love each and every one of you and am here for you if you ever need anything, I cannot pastor you without your permission, right? You can be here, I can be here, and I can still not have permission to pastor you, which involves us not being able as a community to begin to move forward. I know people have hurt you. People have hurt all of us so many times, whether it's parents, whether it's leaders, whether it's telling you one thing and doing another. But I promise to you, my integrity is not beholden to you. It's beholden to God. And that is a whole different level where he is calling me to love man as he has loved me in every bit of my life. My heart is to pursue God with everything that I have, and nothing can exist in his presence without the pursuit of his holiness. And I know that we think sometimes, man, I forgot to turn the AC on. Sorry, everyone. If you want to go back there, you can turn the AC on, honey. I know it's a little warm in here. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Graham. (laughs) But... If you want to understand that God is always calling us into his love, um, but yes, I do need your permission to pastor you. I do need permission to love you, for you to trust me and understand that it's not my heart to hurt anyone at all, and it's not my heart to lead you down a straight path whatsoever. It is my heart for us to pursue Jesus with everything that we have. But hurt makes us be reticent and show up path to the party, but God really needs our permission. And that's how we show our permission, by accepting the invitation. There, even as we are in a community together, there is no transformation without incarnation. There is no us becoming who we're called to be without us being in the middle of something. You know what I'm saying? That's how you know God is doing something. When you're in the middle of some, you know what I'm saying? You're in the middle of something, he's doing something. It says in John 1 in the message that Jesus moved into the neighborhood. He came upon earth to be with each and every one of us. He has incarnated us in the midst of community, right? He has called us to be with him. In Psalm 68, it says, sing to God, sing praises to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds. His name is Yah and rejoice before him, a father of the fatherless, a defender of the widows, a God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound in the prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. 
that he is the one who places us who are alone and isolated and, and fighting the enemy. Like, I feel that for so many people in the city. They're at home by themselves in the dark trying to box the enemy. And you can't do it. You can't do it. Even if I was alone with the Holy Spirit, it would be very difficult. I need people. Which is why I promise you, the first thing that happens when we're going through things is the enemy said, oh, you know what I'm saying? You could, nobody understands you. You're by yourself. You know what I'm saying? You know, the people don't know what you're going through. You need to stay over here. So that he can begin to pick us off one by one by one. And he's a sucker. It's nothing to be afraid of, of the enemy. Gideon was weak, but God was saying he was strong. And this beautiful community that we have is this invitation into God's family, where his presence lives and thrives, and we can begin to believe things about ourselves that we never thought possible. This is his invitation saying, come, come. But what happened after he sends the invitation? There's a fun part that we all love. It's called the waiting. <laughs> Who likes to wait in here in the city? Who likes to wait? Come on. Oh, no, nobody? All right. The waiting that produces frustration, that produces, God, if you would only just do this right now, I would be okay. He's like, you know how long I've been listening to that? Thousands of years. <laughs> and you know what happens? People usually wait. Because things get better when they wait. But there's something that we are called to do while we're waiting for our promises to come. We are supposed to grow in excellence, not in frustration. We are supposed to grow in desire and passion, not in our threat to give up. <laughs> God, you better come by Friday or I'm done. He's like, all right, well, we're going to see who wins this battle. Face off, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, has anybody seen the uh, pictures of the James Webb telescope this, uh, this week? So it's this huge telescope, it's $10 billion, and it's showing different parts of the sky. Uh, leave it up to, um, I forgot the guy's name, he's an astrophysicist, and he says those pictures that they're showing are the size of a grain of a sand here. So it's like holding up a grain of sand and looking into the universe. That's how much you are seeing. That is bananas. God is like, I made all that. Why should I listen to you and your timing? Right now, Lord. Okay, right now. I'm going to hold you hostage, Lord. He's like, come on, man. All right, come on. All right. <laughs> I'm going to hold you hostage with my love. I'm going to withdraw my love and my distance until you do what I want you to do. He's like, we're going to see who makes this longer. Because I, I got all the time in the world. You don't have much time. In the waiting, we build our desire. Even in the waiting, Gideon got a little frisky. He's like, all right, God, I'm going to throw down the fleece, all right? So you put uh, moisture on the fleece and not on the ground if you really want me to do this. Okay, put moisture on the ground and not on the fleece if you really want me to do this. He's going back and forth with God. And God, as he does, because he's so dramatic and loving and peaceful and graceful and kind, that he plays along with him. Okay, we're going to do some moisture here. Okay, moisture there. 
Okay, you need another prophetic word. Okay, you need another confirmation. All right, here's a, here's a sign on the side of the road that says you should call your mom. All right, what else do you need? Okay, this, that, all right. <laughs> all this to let our desire be cultivated and together. That our passion would be more established. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mine up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But they that wait on the Lord, that we're waiting with him, growing in our excellence, building those spiritual muscles, because our goal is not the goal. Our goal is the process. Lord, let me be present so that I can walk with your presence wherever I go. The storms may come. They may attempt to take me off track, but I know I will be solidly found present in your presence. This is the process of us beginning to change and listen and do what God says and be obedient to him. When I'm saying, please let me pastor you, what I am not saying is listen to what you want what I want you to do. What I'm saying is listen to the way I know how to pursue God and let that get on you. Because (laughs) this is the truth. If we go through another pandemic and the same thing happens that happened last time, I am not doing anything that God has called me to do. If we go through it again and our foundation is still rocked the same way and we, we are not even more established and our foundation is not firm in Christ, what the heck am I doing up here even? My goal is to get you to show you what is possible when we passionately pursue Jesus with all that we have. I'm sorry. We are hurt. Things happen. Transition happens. Life happens. Trauma happens. I know. And I'm not just telling you to get over it, but I'm telling you to bring it to the Lord so that he can heal it and you can move forward together. Here's the invitation. Let the desire be built in the midst of your waiting. You know what I'm saying? I just think God loves drama. You know, as much as we love drama, I talk about this all the time, God really loves drama. We think we just like Netflix. God is watching Netflix too, but Netflix is us. (laughs) He's just like, oh, 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 let's do some, let's throw another obstacle in there. I know they'll be able to get rid of this. You know what I'm saying? God just loves, it makes the story richer. It makes the story more beautiful. We're attempting to buy this house, and you know what I mean? It's think, okay, we thought we could transfer the appraisal, and then no, we can't transfer the appraisal, so we got to pray on another, we got to pay for another one. I'm just like, God just loves this, you know? <laughs> just, <laughs> just throwing drama in there. Now, some people, it makes them more nervous and anxious, but I'm like, ooh, the story is getting... <laughs> some people, I wasn't going to say anything, honey. <laughs> it's like the story just gets tastier, you know? It just, it just gets richer. When he's doing that in the story and our patience, our inability to wait sometimes can be painful for us. I remember how I met uh, Julia Dixon, her family, Um, and I've known her family for a long time, you know, longer than I've known a lot of people. And uh, she was my first contact with Missy O'Day. But I met her family because I was at a meeting on the West Side and God would speak to me sometimes and tell me to give someone a prophetic word. 
And uh, I had to go. I was short on time. I'm like, I don't want to do it, God. I'm wrestling with them internally. And he's like, just give them the word. And the word that I gave was to her brother and her father. And I was completely judging them wrong. I was just like, oh, man, he looks mean. You know, I don't want to do that, Lord. I got to get out of here. Um, but I gave him a word. The next day he came out with us on outreach. Um, he shortly went off on a, a missions trip. Her parents started coming to our church, and we've been friends ever since. But it's, it's something about that the enemy loves with getting us to hurry along and not wait and listen to what God is saying. I heard someone say once that busy is an acronym for being under Satan's yoke. Because we're just rushing around. We're, trying, we're, like, we're like trying to do things. We're going wherever we can. And God speaks to us in a quiet and silent places where we can be still and we're waiting. Romans 12, 1 through 2, beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that was as good and acceptable and perfect will of God, a living sacrifice, holy to him. It is a daily process of us surrendering who we are unto God and hungering and thirsting for his presence. There are a lot of things that I cannot do, but I can show you how to pursue God with all of your heart and live an overcoming life. Live a life that, no, doesn't inoculate you from the things of the world. People are still going to die. People are still going to move. People are still going to do all these things. But what it does is it presents us with a foundation that goes down deep. Deep calls out to deep and prepares us for whatever the enemy wants to bring. And after we build our foundation, then we can begin to advance into the darkness and pull others out of that place of isolation and pain. And, And they don't know any way how to get out of it. But that is the goal here. I understand that, um, building happens slow and it doesn't look like we're always progressing, but I promise you that is where we're going to show people the love of God. And I know that it's, it can be weird in this environment we live in, even to share Jesus with so many belief systems. But I thought about this the other day. If he ain't good enough to share, then maybe he's not good enough to serve. That very often we are willing to share all these things we love, restaurants and things and but maybe not Jesus. And it doesn't mean we share with everybody in the world. It means that there is a person that you can think of right now that God has called you to share Jesus with and to share your testimony with in a non-judgmental, in a non-preachy way. Hey, do you know how much God loves you? Imagine someone being saved for all of eternity because you asked them a question. This is the life that we live, that our transformation is not something that we just keep ourselves, but we get to share with others. So as we move through the desire and to the waiting, there is a manifestation that Gideon received a new name. 
And we know the story for him. It, it, uh, you know, every pastor talks about it when you talk about your church getting smaller or people moving. You know what I'm saying? You go, Gideon, the Lord dwindled down his numbers. <laughs> it's just so convenient. You know, he's like, I mean, but it, it's astounding this story that God took him from 20,000 to 300 because he wanted the credit for them defeating the Midianites. That God, in the midst of giving him a new name, also wanted to ensure that he couldn't stand and take the credit for all that he has done. Trust that everything that God does here, he's going to take the credit for because of where we have come from and where we are going. But what does the manifestation look like? It looks like us receiving a new name, right? MDHP, a new name. Today I'm going to name us differently. <laughs> In Scripture so much where there is Abram becoming Abraham or um, Saul becoming Paul, Jacob becoming Israel, there is something about a new name, right? I have a nickname. Everybody calls me Bam. Some people still call me Nathan. That's all right. Everybody, you know, most people call me Bam now. When I was about 11 years old, I preached a sermon And little did I know how much I would be living out the prophetic message from that sermon. And it is Revelations 3.12. He that overcomes, I will write on him a new name. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will never go out from there. That this is the word over Missio de Humble Park right now. We have been called in our minds by the enemy so many times. We have been called a reeling, a surviving, destitute, but we are becoming thriving and life-giving. Gideon even going from being a coward to being courageous, if in but of a moment of God calling him that we answer this invitation. We let our desire and passion be built in the waiting, and in community we begin... (laughs) to multiply what we could do alone. That yes, I can be the church by myself in a closet alone somewhere, but how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It is like oil dripping down Aaron's beard. It is like that anointing that the priests walked in to transform their city and transform their nation. There is nothing that will be locked up to us as we step in our manifestation of newness. You guys want to stand up? That he is simply, simply calling us into this beauty, this beautiful process of being transformed. And he needs our help. He needs our help, our answer. Put your hand over your heart. Father, I just speak prophetically over everyone who is in this body and a part of this body that you are doing a new thing, God, that you are imbuing us with a, with a new name. You are calling us something that has never been known before, Lord Jesus, that we have even been thought of of dead in the ground. Should we cancel it? Should we cut it out that people are leaving, deciding not to walk with us anymore, Father? Give us a heart to bless, God, and not curse. Give us a heart to stand and be firm in our foundation for you, Jesus. Let your word find us no matter where we are. Let worship find us no matter where we are during the week, Lord Jesus. 
us as we continue to build these waves of presence and in his love, God, that playtime is over. The enemy is out here taking out people's lives and taking out their livelihood and taking out their understanding and trust of you, but you are doing something by your spirit, Lord God, and we want to join with you. I thank you for this invitation, Lord, and this manifestation that shall transform us internally and begin to take us to a place that no one has ever seen. We want to be with you, united together, and one with Christ, because this is the goal of everything, oneness with each other and oneness with you. And I thank you for that, Father.